here in the story when Richard first came uh, to Hope, and uh, there's a guy called Bruce. Um, for those of you who know, know the church well would know that that's Jane Jordan Rowell's uh, dad. Uh, he was the elder of the, one of the elders of the church at the time. Uh, Richard came, and uh, Richard had got a call from God. Um, God had spoken to him many years ago, I think in South Africa, I think, uh, about being a church that's a bit like the church in Antioch. Um, and you can read about that in the book of Acts. And, um, uh, and so Richard was keen to, when, he, when, he, when God started to speak to him about coming to Worcester, Richard was keen to talk to Bruce about, but I think this is, the, this is what I want to bring. This is what I want us to be as a church. Um, and the truth is that Bruce was also uh, thinking about the meeting with Richard uh, and thinking, but I want Richard to know that this is the call of God on this church, that we'd be a bit like an Antioch church. Um, and, uh, and that's the call of God on us. And, uh, and, and so that sort of, you know, we'll explain a bit more about what an, Ant- an Antioch church looks like in a minute. Some of you have, that have been Christians for a long time will know what I mean. Others of you think, Antioch church? What's that mean? Um, so, so I'll try and give you a little bit more of that in a bit. But basically there was a church um, uh, in, in, in the Antioch church was the first place that people were called Christians. Uh, which is quite interesting. That's not got much to do with it, but it was an in- it's an interesting fact. Um, and um, here we go. Um, so, so I'm distracted by a piece of paper coming from Dan. I'm just I'm just a little bit distracted. I'll, I'll be okay. Um, what what I want to do is we've, I've talked in the past about Antioch. Rich has talked about it. Uh, I want to f- I want to focus in on one of the key players of the church in Antioch. Um, that happens to be one of my personal heroes of the Bible. And uh, I, I kind of, for many, many years now, I've been a Christian nearly 30 years now. I was, I was about two when I got saved. Um, and, uh, oh, I wasn't. Uh, and and um, early, early on, there was a character that got my attention. I don't really know why, uh, but his name's Barnabas. Um, and uh, we could pick all sorts of characters, and, and there's some great heroes of the Bible. I mean, Elijah, what a dude, uh, and all, all these people. But the, the, the guy that really got my attention early, early on as a Christian was uh, Barnabas. And we're going to have a look at Barnabas, his story, uh, and we're going to see what God might want to say to us about it. Because actually, he was one of the foundational characters of this church in Antioch. Um, and... Um, And I feel like God wants to say some stuff to us as a church. Here we are as a church uh, embarking on this ridiculous building project um, where where we're asking God for stupid sums of money uh, and it's impossible and we can't do it and all of that sort of stuff. Um, It feels important that God wants to, I feel like um, God will give us this building. God will give us the money. Anyone in doubt of that? No, right, so that's fine. We know it's going to happen. We don't quite know when and how, but we know he's going to do it, okay? And and what I believe is that when God opens that for us, not only are we going to walk into a building that will be exciting and glassy front and we'll all get excited, that'll be a nice, you know, cut the ribbon day, Uh, we'll enjoy that day, but also I believe that we're, we're walking into more of our inheritance as a church, more of what we are to be as a church. And there's something about the faith challenge that we're currently in that, that is going to teach us how to press into some of the other stuff. Do you know what I mean? We, we're going to inherit a building, but I've, I believe the spiritual inheritance is so much bigger. 
so much more. And uh, so, we're, so we're pushing in today for healing. But oh, we want so much more, don't we? Uh, we, we, we want, when I say, hands up anybody that thinks God might have done something today. We want people running to the front saying, my leg was broken, it's now fixed. Uh, the tumor I had is now gone. That's the stuff we want, isn't it? Um, and, uh, and, and there's something of a group of people pressing into that. There's something of actually saying, we're going we're gonna to lay hold of that. And it's a bit like, we can't do this building. We can't raise a million pounds or whatever we need. But God can. We can't move into this dynamic church experience that we're praying for, but God can do it. Is that all right? Um, and so I want to focus in on Barnabas. So uh, anyone had a nickname at school? Anyone? Is it anything that is suitable for sharing in church? Superman. Oh, come on. Come on. Ridiculous, Bill. Baggins. That's better. Bill Blow Baggins. Sorry? Woody Woodpecker. Nice. Any others? Sorry? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was called Harpic because he cleans around the bend. Um, that, was, that was a teacher that gave me that name. Anyway, um, school was different in those days. So anyway, we, uh, this guy Barnabas, his name actually wasn't his name. That's, his, that's a, a name that was given to him. It's like a nickname. Um, and uh, we, pick up, we pick up the story in Acts 4, uh, 36. It says this, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So... Um, He's, he, he, he's called Joseph, um, but he got a nickname, uh, or he got renamed. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's a nickname like that we know them, but he got renamed. It's a positive nickname. It's like Superman. Uh, uh, and um, I can't go past that, Tom. Um, but um, it, it was basically because this guy encouraged people, I guess. If you're going to be nicknamed son of encouragement, then probably what you do a lot is encourage people isn't it? Um, and, uh, and so he, he got known in the early church so that, that you know, we had the day of Pentecost. Where Jesus had done his three years of ministry. He died. He rose again. He met with the disciples. He told them, go and make disciples of all nations. He ascended saying, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Um, and then the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. They preached the gospel. 3,000 people got saved. Then more got added to their number daily. And was, it's that church um, that basically they were, Barnabas was in, or Joseph was in, and they thought, cool, this guy, he's a son of encouragement. I've been called a son of all sorts of things, but um, he, he's, a, he's a son of encouragement. And, um, and that, that's, that's, how we, that's where we first meet him. And in that same, that same uh, couple of verses, it talks about that he, he sold a field uh, and put it at the apostles' feet. And so this guy... Um, I would say had must have at some point, we don't know the story, this guy at some point must have had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. Um, that, that his possessions, I don't know how many fields he owned. I don't know if that was one of many or whether that was his field. We don't know. Um, but 
but something got a hold of him that, that changed his life and made his possessions not so precious. You know, and, and, and we're, we're doing an offering today and, and uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want us to feel like um, we, we're arm behind your back, you know, that, um, come on, give us a bit more money. Can you squeeze a few more dregs? Can you give us a little bit more? We would never want anybody to feel like that. I, do you know what I mean? I, I genuinely think if you felt like that, talk to Dan and get your money back. <laughs> right? Because that's not what it's about. What we want is we want people that have been arrested by the call, by, the, by the, the kingdom of God that has changed their lives. It's the thing in their life. Nothing else grips them. Nothing else matters like the kingdom of heaven. So when, when there's an opportunity to put something into it, they're going to do it. Uh, with joy in their hearts because they're investing in the kingdom uh, more than anything else. It's a bit like, um, you know, the, the, the parable Jesus told of the, of the merchant that was digging in a field. And uh, he's digging away in this field. I don't know what he's digging in the field for, but he's digging in the field, finds a precious stone. Um, and uh, in his joy, you know, he, he giggles a bit, uh, very happy, very joyful, puts the stone back, buries it sells everything he has to buy the field so he can get the stone back. So that's like, that's like the kingdom of heaven. It's like the, when, you, when you really see the kingdom of God, it's like, whoa, I'll give everything to get this. Do you know what I mean? You know, it, it, it's, not, it's not like a, uh, a thing where we, oh, do you, know, do you know what? I might try out that. I might try out Christianity. I might try out the kingdom um, and see how that is for a bit. It's about seeing something of the beauty of, of the king and his radiance, his mag- uh, magnificence, but also the things of the kingdom, uh, the way that the kingdom works and saying, this is amazing. This has consumed me. This has arrested me, but I'm never going to be the same again. Now I'm sold out for this kingdom. And I'm reading between the lines, but I think that's what happened with Barnabas. Uh, I, th- I think he got gripped uh, by the kingdom. And, and we'll see uh, as we go on uh, why I think that. And uh, the next bit that we read about him uh, was that uh, it's in Acts 9, 26. It says, when he, came, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is about Saul. Okay, remember, uh, anyone had a road to Damascus experience? Uh, well, Saul was the original. Uh, so he was on his way to Damascus, saw a, saw a light. He was, he was a terrorist trying to kill Christians. And he saw a light and, and Jesus spoke to him and said, why are you persecuting me? Changed his perspective somewhat. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so he went to Jerusalem. Um, and, um, and basically, I don't know what, it, it'd be a bit like, you know, a, an ISIS terrorist turning up in small group. You know what I mean? Hello. Welcome. Of course, you know, we would straight away, would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> it's how we would respond. Uh, but, but the reality is, that was a big deal. So the, the believers in Jerusalem were terrified. They didn't trust him. Um, and uh, it says this, but Barnabas, in verse 27, it says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord um, and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So, so here's an inkling now to, to, to this guy Barnabas. This guy Barnabas. So the chatter is, don't trust Saul, okay, who became Paul. That's the chatter. Okay? They're fearful. There's a terrorist coming to our small group. What are we going to do? 
Okay? And, and you know, think about that. How, how would you respond to an ISIS terrorist turning up in your small group? Just think. Coming to the youth group. How are you going to handle it? Um, other than, would you like some tea? Um, so, but, but Barnabas saw something in Saul. Everybody else saw the obvious. Barnabas saw something else. He saw the gold. He saw the potential. He saw what there was. And he said, no, this guy is a man of God. So he spoke up for him. And, uh, and there's something in that, in the DNA of this church in Antioch, where, where Barnabas saw the potential in someone and said, you know what, I'm going to defend this guy. I'm going to speak up for him. And I'm going I'm to quieten the chatter about this guy. And uh, we, we read on. Um, then then um, what happened next, we're in, we're in Acts 11 now. I'm not sure I'm going to read them all, but Steve's got them. If, um, Acts 11, um, verse 19. Um, then we had, um, the, the, after, after the death of Stephen, so Stephen was one of the disciples and he got killed. And Paul actually was in a, in a Paul approved of it. He said that he was, he was there and approving of his death. Um, and uh, after that, there was like a scattering of the believers. Uh, people went, you know, because it became unsafe to be a Christian. So it's a bit like suddenly there is, again, maybe a terrorist situation here in Worcester. And suddenly it becomes unsafe to publicly meet, becomes unsafe to declare the name of Jesus and to preach. And so people were scattered. Um, and, uh, and that happens in different parts of the world today. Um, but this is what ha- was happening then. And they went to different, different places. Uh, but of course, when the, the enemy tries to do bad things to the people of God, God looks at it and turns it upside down and makes it a good thing. So, so, so they were scattered, but they'd seen the kingdom. They'd met with Jesus. They were arrested by the goodness of God. So you can't keep that in. So they, when, when they got scattered, they started talking about Jesus wherever they went. And there's this place called Antioch. And, they, they, and, and in, in this place called Antioch, um, people were responding to the gospel because these believers had gone there. People respond to the gospel and non-Jews were finding faith in Jesus. Gentiles. This was, you know, at the time, this was a big deal. I, I can't give us an example. I, don't, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I, I don't think I could t- find an example of what. It's like, but such a cultural shock. Um, Peter had that revelation before this, didn't he? Uh, where where stuff that he thought was unclean was coming out of heaven, and he, God said, "You know, eat eat this stuff." And Peter like, "I can't eat that." And then God said, "Don't call what I've called clean unclean." And it was Peter's eyes being opened that actually the gospel needs to go further than just the Jews. Now, in, in Antioch, it was the place where the gospel went and non-Jews were finding faith in Jesus in numbers. And the rumors of that got back to the church in Jerusalem. Okay? And, and, uh, and so what they, they, you know, the disciples would have, there would have been a, 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 a meeting. So, so the, the, the elders, the leaders uh, of the church in Jerusalem would have got together and said, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond to this? Peter's thinking, well, I had this sort of vision. Um, and I know what we'll do. We'll find someone that's trustworthy, that's a man of God, that's full of faith, and we'll send them there and we'll get them to do a recce, to sort it out. So they sent Barnabas. 
Um, so Barnabas actually, sometimes we can think of Barnabas as being like, well, just an encourager, just a, you know, a, keep going, you'll be all right. Actually, he was one of the senior leaders of the time, and he went as an apostle to go to Antioch to see what was going on. And uh, it says, when he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God and was glad and encouraged them all to remain true in the Lord and with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Um, so Barnabas went with, a, I guess, with an open mind. What's going on here? And uh, and and then when he saw these Gentile believers, that was quite, you know, I, I can't. It's a bit like I don't know whether it would be like going to a church and everyone's wearing a turban for us. I, I don't know what it would be like, but it, but it was so countercultural for these people to have found faith in Jesus. Uh, and uh, so, but when he went there, he saw past the cultural differences, of which there would have been many. He saw past the lack of following the law, the Jewish law, of which there's all sorts. He saw past those things, and he saw evidence of the grace of God. It's wonderful, isn't it? Sometimes we've got to see past some of our prejudice, some of our ways of thinking out you know the way that we always see things it's the way it's always been see past those things and look for the evidence of the grace of god so barnabas saw the evidence of the grace of god and blessed it and encouraged it now what a thing for us to consider as a church look out for where do i see the evidence of the grace of god where do i see god working and how can i encourage and bless that um then a really big thing happened next um because Barnabas saw of that and he thought, man, this is a big deal. This Antioch church is growing and it's a big deal. And he thought, how am I going to respond to this? So what he did um, in Acts 11:25, he says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for the whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So, so he's scratching his head, what am I going to do with this? And think, I know what I'll do, I'll go and get Saul. Now what you need to know is, Saul, after the shenanigans in Jerusalem, went to Tarsus and was there for 14 years. Quite a long time. And, and, and so Barnabas is thinking, what am I going to do here? And he thought, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity, I'm reading between the lines, this is what I think he thought. This is an opportunity here both to see this Antioch church prosper and grow and become something of strength and significance, not just locally, but nationally, regionally, and internationally. Um, Because most of their journeys, Paul's journey started in Antioch, and he reported back to Antioch. So it's a big deal, church. So Barnabas saw that. This church has got a calling to, to something bigger than just itself. I'm probably not big enough to do that. This is also an opportunity to get hold of that guy, Saul. There's potential in that man. I can see it. I know he was a terrorist. But there's potential in him. He's called by God to be a leader in a significant move of God. So he went, he traveled to Tarsus and dug him out. After 14 years of Saul, we don't know what happened in Tarsus. The Bible doesn't tell us. We just don't know. But he sought him out and he got hold of him. And, and that... That then started one of the, I think, one of the most beautiful and um, clear uh, training programs um, 
that I've seen, other than Jesus discipling the disciples. Um, because after that time, we, we, um, there's, there's, there are, I did some maths, there are 23 um, verses um, where Barnabas and Paul, or Saul, are in the same sentence. Okay? Um, they, they, were, they were like glue. They, they worked together. They, they, they spent a year in the church in Antioch, and then they went traveling uh, and preaching the gospel and planting churches. And uh, the first seven of those 23 references, it's Barnabas and Saul. Okay? After that, it's Paul, or I think it start, he starts to become Paul then. He gradually became Paul. It's Paul and Barnabas. So, so Barnabas was the senior leader. Barnabas was the guy that got a hold of Saul and said, I want to work with you. Come and help me do this thing in Antioch. And, and for a time, Barnabas was showing Paul how to do it. Barnabas was building the church, and, and they worked together, leading and, and building the church in Antioch. But gradually, Barnabas stepped back and pushed Saul forward. Um, until it got to a point where some of the verses that I've not mentioned, it became Paul and his traveling companions. Barnabas disappeared. And uh, I, I just think that's, that's a beautiful picture of what God wants amongst us. God wants to see that sort of thing happen. Jesus said, didn't he, his, his parting words were, go and make disciples. And we know that a disciple is a trainee, it's an apprentice, it's, a, it's someone that's learning, it's someone that's being shaped into all that God has for them. Uh, and we saw Barnabas beautifully getting a hold of Saul, who had this... This raw gift, this, this amazing, he was, he was a zealot for God. Uh, needed probably a bit of honing. You can imagine a terrorist getting saved, can't you? I mean, you, you become a terrorist because you, you, you're that way inclined. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You, you, you're a little bit gung-ho. Uh, and, uh, and you're full on. And so, so Paul got full on for Jesus. And Barnabas got a hold of him and, and helped him hone his call uh, and, and work with him. And, uh, and, th- and then the last thing we read about Barnabas is um, in Acts 15, it says, Sometime later, Paul and Barnabas, um, uh, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, who was also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in a place that I can't pronounce and had not continued with them in the work. They had a sharp disagreement and they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Um, They fell out. This beautiful discipleship training relationship, they fell out. Why did they fall out? Yeah. Basically, Barnabas is doing it again. So John Mark, on one of their previous... Uh, mission trips, there was persecution and he scarpered. He got scared and he ran away. Okay? And, uh, and Paul is just seeing that. Paul is seeing, he's a scaredy cat, I don't want him on my team. That's what happened. The Bible's full of truth and reality and ooh, the nitty gritty of life. That's what happened. They had, they had an argument. He said, that, what did they call it? A sharp disagreement. Well, when Joseph and I have a sharp disagreement, we call it an argument. <laughs> uh, and and they, they happen from time to time. Um, 
You know, and I'm seeing some knowing looks. I think we all do them. Hands up if you also have sharp disagreements from time to time with the people that you love. Okay, it's okay. Um, so they had a they had a sharp disagreement. So they had a, they had a row. That, I don't know if they were raised voices. I don't I don't I don't know. We, we don't know. We just all we know is sharp disagreement. Uh, but they didn't. They weren't on the best of terms. And so much so they parted company. And why is that? It's because Barnabas is doing it again. Barnabas is saying, No, there's potential. I know he let you down once, but I see something in this guy. He's got potential. Do you know what I mean? And if he'd not done it. Might we have had Matthew, Luke, and John? Three Gospels, not four. Amazing, right? Think, think even more than that. Had Barnabas not been Barnabas and been this son of encouragement, been the one that sees the potential in someone and brings it out and says, I'm going to work with you, I'm going to help you. Had he have not done that, would we have had the letter to the Ephesians? You know, I don't know what percentage of the New Testament Paul wrote, but it's quite a big chunk. So our Bible without Barnabas would have been poorer, potentially. I mean, God's sovereign and he could have done it another way. I know. Before you all queue up afterwards and say, no, Jim, God would have done it. Uh, But the truth is God used Barnabas. God used Barnabas and he got a hold of these two people. and, And we have scripture because of it. I think that's phenomenal. So, well, in the words of Richard Thomas, so what? (laughs) That's how he says it, isn't it? I worked on that. Uh, uh, First first thing is we are called to a radical buy-in to the kingdom of heaven. We're called to the kind of radical buy-in that when you read in a book, it sounds brilliant. When it's your friend, it sounds stupid. Sometimes. It sounds, you know, you really do. So, so you know, somebody in this small group might have said, Barnabas, you don't have to sell your field. I mean, think about your old age. Think about retirement. Have you, have you, thought, about, have you thought it all through? It's a, bit, it's a bit uncomfortable when somebody's that radical. It can be uncomfortable. When the, when the, when the, um, the gospel has gripped somebody in such a way that they're so sold out, sometimes actually being around them can be a bit uncomfortable. I just want to encourage us. I can't, what, I, what I don't want to do is put, put, you know, put your arms behind your back and say, be more zealous. <laughs> for the kingdom because it's just ridiculous it's a stupid thing to do won't achieve anything just annoy you (laughs) what I can say is Jesus the kingdom of heaven is magnificent if it hasn't arrested you yet you've not seen it properly if it hasn't impacted every corner of crevice of your life if it hasn't changed your, the way you handle finances, if it hasn't changed the way you handle relationships, if it hasn't changed the way you conduct yourself at work, if it hasn't impacted every corner of your life, you've not seen it properly yet. There's more to see. Because if you see Jesus, and if you see his kingdom, then it changes everything. Uh, and uh, if we want to be part of a radical movement... Which I do, by the way. 
I want to see churches planted. I want to see the gospel go to the poor. I want to see the nation impacted and changed. If we want to be part of a radical movement, then it takes radical people. And I, I want to invite you to embark or continue, because I know we're on the journey, so I'm not saying you're not radical. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm inviting us to continue a journey to press into the more of what it is to be a radical follower of Jesus Christ. What it is to have Jesus stamped on your heart. And everything, everything refers back to that. Every decision, every, every discussion, everything that you do in your life refers back to the kingdom of heaven. Is this, is this the Jesus way? Or, is, or am I doing it some other way? And I, and I can tell you, you know, we, here we are as a church looking at this, this big faith goal. The reality is following Jesus, we will always hit big faith walls. Being a radical follower of Jesus, I hate to break this to you, but being a radical follower of Jesus, you will hit walls where you think, I can't do it. I cannot do this. I don't know what to do and I don't think I can do it. Because that's when faith begins to operate. If we can do it, we need no faith. So I want to to encourage you to press into the more of what it is to be a radical follower of Jesus. Second thing, I'm just aware of the time. Flipping egg. Anyway, I must have come on late. I can't have talked for that long. Anyway, uh, second thing is... um, that I believe God wants to speak to us. So first thing is radical buy-in. Second thing is uh, build a culture of encouragement. It's really easy to see all the negatives. It's really to see. It's very easy to say what someone can't do, isn't it? You could look at me and say, Jim can't do that. You could say, Jim, you know, I, I don't know what I can't do. I can't lose weight. Whatever. You can say whatever you like. But it's a different thing to see the gold in someone and say, well, this is what you can do. And you know what? That in some people, and, 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 and the reality is, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is good news to the poor. It, Jesus has a habit of choosing the things that are not. Jesus has a habit of choosing the things that, that you wouldn't choose. Say, no, you, for my kingdom. And uh, let's be in the habit of seeing how he sees. Let's be in the habit of seeing, yeah, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to see what people are not. It's easy to see people's frailties. And we've all got them. That's why he's put us together. So we can cover each other. But, but how powerful it is to see the gold. You see somebody that is struggling to live. Do you know what I see? I see the gold. I see what, I see what could be. Because, you know, the reality is, there are people that struggle. There are people that find life difficult. There are people that have all sorts of challenges. But do you know what? Jesus is getting a hold of people saying, I want that one for my kingdom. I'm going to use that one to rebuild ancient cities. So I want to, I want to encourage us to allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see people as, as God sees them. If you're not seeing the gold, you're not seeing them like Jesus sees them. This is about calling out the call and the purposes of God in individuals. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying follow your dream because you can do whatever you like. X-factor style. 
extracted every week is saying, you know, you follow your dream, you can do it. There's only one winner, though, and they don't go that far, usually. It's rubbish. You can't do what you like. You can do what God's called you to do. You can be what God's called you to be with all your heart, and you can do that really well. You can go for it, and you can, you, can, you can see everything that God has for you, whether it's this much faith, whether it's this much faith the Bible talks about. You use the faith that you've got, and you go with all your heart. So I'm not saying, dream it and you can do it. Click your fingers, whoop, you can do it. What I'm saying is, we can spot things in other people and say, you are called by God. I see some of the potential in you, and we can get alongside and we can help people. Third thing, and final thing. The first thing, buy-in. Um, what's, what was I say? Radical buy-in. Third thing, build a culture of encouragement. Second thing, build a culture of encouragement. Third thing, embrace Apprenticeship. Change. No encouragement, Steve. It's not Steve's fault. It's entirely my fault because I gave it to him really late. And he was putting the words on the screen and trying to type my things. So thanks, Steve, for your efforts. But it's build a culture of encouragement. Um, That's okay. Third thing, embrace apprenticeship. So Jesus told us Go and make disciples. That's the big story. That's the big commission. That's the big idea that Jesus left us with before we returned back into heaven. Barnabas got a hold of, he, he saw the potential in other people and he, and he trained them and he worked with them and he helped them. What, what it, if, if we want to be a radical movement as a church, then one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to embrace this idea that we need to grow, that we need help. We need to be discipled. We need to be trained. We need to be at school learning. And, uh, and I would say it's not, it's, you know, so I'd encourage you to be thinking about who am I nurturing and training? Who is nurturing and training me? And am I taking my discipleship in terms of my personal growth seriously? So it's, it's, it's discipling others it's being discipled and it's discipling yourself so are you are you are you giving yourself to learning are you giving yourself to the kingdom and growing are you are there people they they might be people that have died they may be people that you read about in books they may be people that you know but are there people that you're learning from and are there people that are learning from you i've run out of time kids are back let me pray Yeah, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for this church in Antioch. We want to thank you for Barnabas. And uh, just pray, Holy Spirit, would you take um, the words that I've spoken today and would you drive those things that you want to speak into individuals' hearts home in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to be radical. We want to be those that encourage each other. God, we want to be those that are humbly giving ourselves to learning and helping others grow. Get a hold of us for that, Lord. We pray for a gear change in these things as a church. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, the time's come. Um, I don't know if we should have a drum roll um, or what we should have. Um, But the, and, and as I say, 
it's, whether, whether you're expecting loads, whether you're expecting little, I don't know what you're expecting, um, we're going to do a big cheer. So the total for the two weeks that we've raised over the last two weeks is 24,351,099 pence. Okay. It would be rude to not mention, oh, 24,000, we're praying for a million. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, we know that God's got to do it somehow or other. But I want to say from behalf of the, us as leaders, uh, that is people saying, I'm a radical follower of Jesus. That is people saying, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the kingdom of heaven above my own needs. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I think it's, it's worth saying as well, I know for myself and Josephine, in previous offerings, we'd emptied all the savings. We've used the car fund, we've used the everything else that we could, and so we were unable to give a large sum of money into the offering this time. Uh, but what we have done, and what I know others, many other people are doing, are, is, is I can't give a lump sum, but I can regularly give. And Richard referred to that this morning. So, so another figure that I think is, is equally, if not more, phenomenal is that we currently have 1,110 pounds per month coming into the building fund. Um, So again, I want to say, what were you saying to me, Susan? You look, no. Um, So I want to, I want to say thank you for that. What, 1,110 in regular payments, m- monthly payments into the building fund. Now, now, that's really important. That's really useful. That, that sum would help us borrow somewhere around about 300,000 pounds. Um, so that's good. Okay. So please keep doing that. Uh, please keep, you know, we don't, you don't have to wait till gift days to give some money to the building project. If, 